My name's Simran and welcome to Untangled, the podcast where we'll take a deep dive into topics to try and gain a better understanding of the world. I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to the third episode of Untangled. I'm here today for a little bit of a different episode with my brother, Arnand. Hi Simran. How are you? Great great to be here. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm good. Um, This is a slightly different episode. It's, It's less philosophical or psychological it, it it's bringing in an element of politics which I think I'm slightly nervous about because talking about politics is always quite contentious um I guess I guess politics is contentious but um with current events I think it's more now more important than ever to have these discussions and discuss the difficult topics of the moment yeah I agree um I think like what with lockdown and everyone has a bit more time to engage in these issues um, there's been a lot in the news at the moment. Well, you're really into politics, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I guess I started uh, getting into politics when I was about 18. And so I'm now 25. And I say I've probably been very deep into politics in the US and the UK, but haven't really had an outlet to share or express any opinions or anything that I've developed. So this will be an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I think usually around the dinner table, conversations usually just get shut down and we don't really hear the views so uh this will be a good platform to share those views I think (laughs) (laughs) um uh, yeah and I think personally for me um politics wasn't something I understood much about until probably last year when Arne and Lee suggested that we all read The Divide which is a book that all of our family read as part of our book club and I think it really changed the way that we operate uh as a family and uh, the way we think and, and definitely the way I think and I think ever since then I've been much more into politics and much more engaged in the news but I also am aware of like confirmation bias and wanting to avoid that which is why I thought today we could talk about general principles about how we engage in the news like with everything going on now how, how should we engage in the news should we uh, engage in activism what exactly is that what is going on and how do we make sense of it all So I think, uh, I guess, in terms of consuming news, um, I'd be very wary uh, in terms of getting your news all from one source. Um, So if you're you're getting all your news from the Daily Mail, I would (laughs) strongly recommend you start reading other newspapers as well, because there'll be topics and issues that The Guardian will talk about that the Daily Mail won't cover and vice versa. I think it's always, it's always beneficial to have kind of a balanced reading of the news in so much as you always know kind of if you're if you have a position or you have a side or you have a kind of opinion you always know kind of what the other opinion is it's very easy to kind of hear someone speak or hear someone make an argument um, where they sound very very knowledgeable very eloquent and you kind of come to it and you think oh yeah I agree with everything this person is saying um, and then you might like come across someone else who has completely the opposing view and they kind of share with you kind of statistics or or kind of tell a different story and you're like actually you know what their story or their their ideas and what they're actually saying makes more sense and I could see the holes that they've poked in the first person's argument who I initially believed and like that's how I guess people's opinions get shaped um, and I think one of the things I've realized is the first person uh, whose view I hear on a topic that makes sense to me isn't necessarily the right one. Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that because um, I think I've been getting all my news off of pretty much Instagram and the BBC. Uh, and I, I think all all of what I was consuming, I agreed with. It was like this confirmation bias of 
yeah I agree with that I agree with what you're saying and there was no like opposing views within my bubble that I could see but then when I when friends sent me videos saying something different I was like okay I'm definitely in a bubble here um, and I think we've we've seen the effect of being in bubbles uh, with Corbyn when he wasn't elected and Boris won by a landslide. I think we were all very shocked because we didn't realise we were in this bubble. And so I thought it's something we could explore today. I think you could play a drinking game on how many times I've said bubble just then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so one way I kind of try and diversify out of my sort of left wing bubble that I'm in or kind of to kind of get a bit more variety in the news that I'm reading is I kind of read the FT a lot uh, which I get a subscription through work financial times uh, yeah which is of uh, yeah financial times which is obviously a very kind of it's uh, catered to a different market catered to kind of finance professionals people who are n probably nominally a lot more um uh, like center center right potentially on the political spectrum people who believe in being big institutions like uh like the Bank of England who believe in believe in kind of free trade and deregulating markets um so I mean that's one way that I try and diversify the kind of news I consume okay. um and also I guess yeah. uh has point has to be said that the quality of journalism from the FT is also very high so I know if I'm reading something in the FT there is going to be a, at least a reasonable basis that what they're reporting is factual so that's and... like how you get to the truth is or more to the truth is like diversifying your kind of news resources um, and seeing what other people are reading. Yeah, um, and and I guess whenever you're reading a, a news source, let's take um, let's take an example of like the West dropping some bombs on a country in the Middle East, say, and uh, like a few civilians die, um, mm -hmm. like women and children. Um, yeah. So there's there's two ways you can spin that depending on your worldview. There's one world right. view you can be like, this is a tragedy that happened. Obviously, this isn't what we want to do, X, Y, and Z, like make yeah. apologies for it. Or there's the other viewpoint, which is the viewpoint that our adversaries would take and be like, look how careless the US is or look how careless the UK is. They don't care about civilian casualties or collateral damage. They just want to kind of uh, exact their will on a population. So there's um, always two ways or three ways or a million different ways to spin what happened in the world or what happened in the news. Yeah very true um and it's like I think what I've noticed from stepping outside of my own bubble and I've been on YouTube really to explore these more like I would say right wing although well, one thing I want to ask actually um is you said about diversifying your news sources to get like yeah. a, a better understanding of the truth but yeah. what is the point or the end goal of that because are you just going to sit on that news and then like not do anything about it like what is the point of engaging in the news and what benefit does that have for ourselves and society is what question I have and how can we engage in a way that is beneficial for ourselves and society um, <laughs> Just, so I guess yeah so I guess firstly the reason for like the, the reason for dealing with and consuming news that is different or radically different to the opinions that you might hold is um just so you know what other people are saying um and also there might actually be something in there there might be nuggets of truth in there that slightly alter your opinion i think like no individual is ever going to be right about even like 90 percent of things or 80 percent of things so if you're kind of always going to the same people for your news you're almost certainly going to be wrong about pro like the majority if not like a, a, a significant minority of issues 
Um, And then do you think we should engage in like activism and voicing those views and educating other people? Um, Because I know with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, the like anti-racism is about standing up to racism and educating uh, our peers and, and things like that, which I think I've tried to do on on Instagram and I shared a few posts. Um, but do you think that's effective? So what was your question? So, so like in terms of engaging with the news, do you think as well as becoming a better informed person yourself? Yeah. Do you think you it, we have a duty to inform other people? I guess I think you have... You don't have a you don't have to you don't have a duty to but i think if you find something or find an article or read a book that's really illuminating um then it like you should absolutely share it um so i guess two books that i've read that are really relevant to the political atmosphere right now um with the black lives matter movement and racism being challenged kind of across the globe um are uh how to be an anti-racist it definitely changed my kind of my view of what it means to be an anti-racist so kind of one of the main things that the author purports in it is that there is no such thing as not racist there is racist and anti-racist so you're you're not a person who is just not racist either you're committed to being anti-racist or you are then uh kind of you're kind of then supporting if you're not that kind of person if you're not an anti-racist person then you are supporting a racist system Okay. And I guess that that was a that's a kind of a paradigm and a, a way of thinking that was kind of challenging for me at first. Kind of one of the things that we should be cognizant of is when we see figures, political figures, celebrities, companies making these big statements about, you know, we support Black Lives Matter. We support mm-hmm. uh, we support equality for all people. The, 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 the questions underneath those Twitter or Facebook adverts or those posts uh, whatever it might be, a black square with a fist or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is, okay, what are you actually going to do about it to solve racism or in, in your organisations? Because racism is something that permeates all of society. It is something that encompasses every organisation, every institution, because it's woven into the fabric of society currently. And the only way you can deal with it is by having very conscious and very deliberate anti-racist thinking and taking very deliberate anti-racist actions to tackle those inequalities in society so I I hear exact all of what you're saying and I think I like um so on my Instagram that that's also what uh, was being shared around and you can't be right you can't be not racist you have to be anti-racist for some people listening like maybe that's the first time they've heard of it or maybe they've heard the opposite view yeah what I wanted to do uh, was just talk a little bit more about my adventure into the right-wing bubble that I have found myself in because I know that you're very knowledgeable and when I enter these bubbles I I might have an argument in my head or there might they might say an argument that doesn't sit quite right with me but I don't know what to say back to it so I think this will be a good conversation to have if I like present an argument that they say and then you say your take on it. So let's see, what have I found? Parts where the right-wing bubbles disagree are, well, where they agree. So I think all these bubbles agree on one thing is, is that racism exists. There might be a few bubbles which say that it doesn't, but like, we're not gonna talk about those. I, I think, you know, on both sides, racism exists, fine. What they disagree on is whether it's racism, whether it's, so there's a few different viewpoints. So some question whether it's racism that contributes to inequality another guy called Coleman Hughes thinks that it's not racism that causes it, it uh, the cycle the poverty cycle and it's not to do with racism it's just to do with poverty so poor white 
poor black, it doesn't make a difference. It's the poverty cycle. And then the other view is that it's not to do with racism. It's not to do with the poverty cycle. It's just a mindset. You can make it. There is a, we live in a meritocratic, meritocracy where if you work hard, you will succeed and you just need to work harder. So those are the views where people disagree, essentially. So if if we're talking about uh, kind of the poverty cycle, I agree that the poverty cycle exists, but it doesn't tackle and to kind of try and reduce it to the fact that, oh, it's the poverty cycle why these, why uh, people from ethnic minorities are poor. It's, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, disingenuous because, yeah, it's hard to get out of poverty, but then there are also challenges that people from ethnic minorities face on top of that, which yeah. make it even more difficult. I suppose the the argument that it's, it's just the poverty cycle, it doesn't follow on from the idea that racism exists, which no one denies. I suppose. Yeah. And I guess you, you mentioned, I guess, kind of the idea that we live, the society at the moment, some people believe is a meritocracy. Yeah. Um, and what you, what you put into society is what you directly get out. And the reason why uh, black people are poor and the reason why ethnic minorities do less well compared to their white counterparts is that they don't try as hard or they're not doing as well mm-hmm. or they're not studying as hard. Um, and I guess people don't really follow that argument to its logical conclusion, which is, I guess it could apply to uh, the out- difference in outcome between women and, and men as well. Is yeah. that so? If you're saying we live in a meritocracy and less black people are getting to the top, mm-hmm. less people from ethnic minorities, less Asian people are getting to the top, yeah. less women are appearing on the boards of companies. Mm-hmm. What are you saying about women and black people and Asian people and Hispanic people? You're, set, you're essentially saying these groups of people aren't as good as white men. If we lived in a meritocratic society, what you'd actually see was you'd see you'd see society represent its actual makeup. You'd see 5% of CEOs on FTSE 100 companies being black. You'd see yeah. um, 50% of companies having boards that were comprised of like, women of this at this That's point, you... Jordan Peterson would say, women don't want to be at the top. <laughs> yeah, um, and I guess, so it, it depends how far you delve. So people say, oh, it's enshrined in law that women need to be treated equally. Um, it's enshrined in law that black people cannot be discriminated against in the workplace. Um, and then you kind of look at it and you go, well, that's fine. But then what are the systems in place to kind of help equalise uh, kind of equalize the disbalance that we already currently have what are we doing to actively counteract the inherent biases in the system like so say take take an example if men were the ones that had to give to give birth to kind of children mm. and if it was men if it was men that were kind of primary care gifts to children i think you'd see a larger uptake in on-site crashes at workplaces that make, there's something that makes it significantly easier for women to progress in the workplace we live in an unequal society in the sense that workplaces like stuff like people say uh, AC in the air conditioning in workplaces is sexist. Um, and it sounds kind of ridiculous until until you realise that women need uh, on ge- in general need uh, temperatures in, in the workplace that are slightly higher than men. I think they need it at like 23 degrees versus men who prefer it at slightly cooler 21 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like all these systems and all these kind of areas that we kind of take for granted. This is how the world works they're built for people that built the system and the people that built the system that we currently live in are predominantly white middle-aged men. <laughs> yeah. And I guess you see that in medicine as well. Like 
all the studies are done on white middle-aged men essentially um and so all of that's tailored to them and that's why we have worse outcomes in the minority societies and also for women it's a good point uh and also um, i agree that was a very good point by me well done me (laughs) um uh, another point in my adventures on youtube uh so i watched a video called um uh, and it was called it had a very clickbait title it was like why anti-racism harms more than helps black people and it was this guy called john mcwater talking saying that anti-racism is like a religion and that it silences people uh it takes away nuance from arguments because people are too scared to voice views which might not which might go slightly against the anti-racism kind of way of being that was this guy's argument in this video um i mean i I guess i disagree i'd say we should be kind of less quick to jump people down people's throats who might be kind of ill-informed or ignorant about topics i agree with that you need to give people kind of space to make mistakes no one is born being fully woke about <laughs> kind of <laughs> all the issues like fig- like all the issues that are going on in the world and like yeah yeah being exactly. fully informed so j cole can i just plug j cole actually had a song about this called uh wait let me find the name he, he released it yesterday Did it's, he? it's about him not being woke um and it's about him not being woke and also complaining that people like hate on him for not being woke but then he was also putting his hands up saying that i should be more woke and i'm going to try harder uh yeah. it's called snow on the bluff I'll yeah. To that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's a good song. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it raises the point that you've just said about about. Yeah, but I think the people that get the most blowback are people who are public yeah. figures who say things which are genuinely racist, and they they kind of point at people calling them out, and they say them calling me out for my racism and disagreeing with me and saying you're like a terrible person is worse than the racist things that I am saying. then they'll make themselves the victim and say there's this huge campaign against me to try and silence me and it's kind of like no you're free to say what you want it's just that if you're going to put yourself out there in a public forum and say things that are racist people are going to disagree with you and that's kind of that's what freedom of speech is and that's what society is people confuse uh, a freedom of speech with freedom from consequences there are consequences to your actions there are consequences to the things that you say Yes, I think that's a really good point. It kind of reflects the paradigm shift that I think we've all been seeing, that you can speak out, but you just have to be willing. You're going to get stuff wrong and you just have to be accountable and take responsibility and and do better. I think that really reflects that quite well, um, that paradigm shift of not being defensive. Yeah, I just wanted to move on and talk a bit more about like uh, going back to more general principles of engaging with the news. Something I think that has been tearing me up inside a little bit uh, and that I've noticed is this like increasing intolerance between the left and right for each other. Um, And I can only really speak from a lefty point of view because that's what I'm surrounded with and that's what my my views align with. Um, And it's something that's been making, I think, me feel internally uncomfortable is and I've only really reflected on this recently, but <clears throat> for example, at uni, if if anyone, I, I, I think there's an increasing pressure, like if you align with left-wing thinking, you have to agree with all of it. Do you think that or not? Well, no, because there's no left-wing thinking. <laughs> there are very many different sects of the left. So there's socialism, there's, socialism, there's communism, there's like being a liberal leftist. Like, mm. there's no one left. 
I mean, there's there is pressure to kind of agree on the big things. I think, yeah, sometimes people can get a bit too gun-ho in their criticisms of other people when they stray from what they think they should be doing or saying. I'll probably agree with that. I think only, like, recently I've been reflecting on something that happened at uni, which I didn't think anything of at the time, but I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Is So everyone, obviously uni is a very um, left-wing institution, whatever, um, and we were all, uh, me and my friends, uh, we, were, we were out together, and we, it was just after the election and we were like, what did you vote for? We all said Labour, right? Because we all voted Labour. But then one guy was just like, I'm not telling you guys what I voted for. And he obviously voted Conservative. And then he said, yeah, I did. And he was too scared to say that to us. And also kind of rightly because we all kind of shot him down. Um, and I, I didn't think anything, I didn't think much of it at the time because I think we all had quite strong views that, it was the right thing to do to vote for Labour and, and things like that. But I don't know, do you think that kind of attitude is negative? People that are kind of young Conservatives are obviously in a very small minority. I think people need to kind of hear people out as to why they voted for, say, the Conservative Party, especially if they're younger, um, just to just I don't know, just to see what they say. Yeah. So I mean it's while it's not it's obviously it's not great that you know that this person feels um, a bit apprehensive to uh, say who we voted for but then also I don't necessarily think it's some huge tragedy where this guy is being oppressed for voting for the Conservative Party so <laughs> I'm I not mean... sure because like I think so as as a, a left aligned thinker uh, we like think of ourselves as like very tolerant of people and only recently kind of noticed the paradox in that we're tolerant yeah but if someone disagrees, then potentially we're less tolerant. So, for example, I th- I, I, like I think it probably alienates people further away rather than gets them yeah. to understand. I think this, is and, a... and I, I think it's probably on on both sides this like intolerance. But I don't think it's a productive thing. It's definitely something you see, uh, kind of for pe- from people of all political persuasions. It's, it's more of a function of uh, extreme right-wing parties or extreme right-wing thinking such as like you know fascism yeah uh, white supremacy oh, yeah that's like ov- real... overtly kind of intolerant that's like you know you can't even argue that is that is intolerant but I think yeah. like I I think recently I've just seen that I think there are problems with intolerance on the, on the left as well <laughs> because I've oh here she goes again about her YouTube hole but like because I've been there and whilst I'm watching these like kind of more conservative people I feel like if I agree with something I feel like a bit guilty like I'm betraying (laughs) the and you don't do you know what I mean so like Um, for example I was I was watching this video yesterday and um it was this black conservative saying how when he turned conservative and told people he got the most hate from his counterparts who were uh, on the left he got like the most he's like I've never experienced that hate in my life like the hate I got was like like ridiculous and I think I could see that happening and I, I think because yeah we, we consider ourselves as really tolerant but I think and I've been triggered when people like say a different view like you do get a little bit triggered but but I don't think but that's something I think I'm actively working on for myself um, and I, yeah. I don't know if that, there's a point in this or there's something to be learned 
I mean, so I'd, I'd kind of put it into context that criticism uh, is not intolerance. I guess we don't know the extent to which he received what he called yeah. hate. But yeah, I think I, I get what you're saying about, like, I think if someone says they vote conservative, then you immediately think they must agree with all of those views. Like, you're not supporting my rights. That's just something I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. And, and yeah, so, like, I think um, in terms of, like, how we approach the news, like, like, I don't think it's so binary as as people portray uh, or as people think in terms of, like, if you if you see a figure and you think they're evil, I mean, that's probably, there is no good and evil. I think it's probably a product of the stuff you've consumed to say that. Yeah, um, I would agree. Um, also, I, I noticed that people on the left uh, or people on the right say that all the media is so like biased. It's like left wing propaganda, this, that. And yeah. then people on the left say, oh, like the media is so biased, like towards the right. Yeah. So what is it? And and how should we navigate that? Um, I think what people get annoyed at or the institution they get annoyed at the most is the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and they expect the BBC to be very objective, but there is no such thing as kind of unbiased. The, the news presenters have their own opinions. The editorial board of the BBC will have their own opinions, yeah, and those yeah. opinions will filter down through the content that is shown. Yeah. Um, and also, the world isn't a neutral place. The the truth is on one side or the other. So, kind of say climate change. The BBC used to do this. Scientist says this. This like absolute uh idiot says oh you know climate change isn't real um they've stopped doing that because it's one of those issues which is now like not up for debate anymore but even when the bbc thought it was up for debate uh they still kind of played it off as 50 50 um, and that's not that's not how the world works i think um they really they really try and pretend or really try and strive for this impartiality yeah uh kind of standard and they shouldn't what they should strive for is kind of being very open and very honest about the political leanings of their presenters so they can have shows all over the political spectrum and to represent the wide variety of views in society yeah not to try and take this middle of the road approach which doesn't really work which then annoys everyone (laughs) because kind of when you try and go down this middle of the road route Uh or what is seemed to be but what if like like, someone so like a political they they're not apolitical they they're like politically fluid and they think there's Mm. good points on both sides Mm. can can you be that like i don't know i mean you can but (laughs) at some point you need to get off the fence and pick a side well like you only Uh, have to you only have to pick a side at the at the election right like you can still as a person like believe there's good points in both sides and like yeah, yeah, no. at, at the election you pick a side based on their like policies whatever you more agree with i mean i mean pick a side on each individual issue so you can you can uh, you can okay. say oh i see the i see that i see the uh, i see the benefits of you know defunding the police but also you know i quite like the police and that might be something that goes through someone's head and they might be like you know but the police kind of keep us safe but then also you know what the metropolitan police are a kind of essentially gang which uh, systemically oppressed black people around London um, and you can like, people might have that internal conflict let's say yeah um, but yeah I know at the end of the day you've got to try and make up your mind you've got to do your research think I think about what no but you can have like all the knowledge in the world but still agree with points on both sides and not yeah, not, not not like tie yourself to an identity I just think 
the problem with tying yourself to any identity is that then you have this pressure to like it's like like you're in a tribe then and it's like this tribalism where you uh like agree I think you have to agree more with all these views and I just think then that's like because that's like just like the trap of the confirmation bias yeah another thing is you have to have kind of philosophical underpinnings for your political beliefs so though yeah those fundamental decisions uh will inform a lot of your political opinion because yeah that's true um, yeah I agree with that you know you can take you can take you can take any fact and you can make it kind of mean whatever you want it to mean um in a way if depending on what your underlying philosophy is yeah so you know so, some people believe that the government should stay out of private life as much as possible and they shouldn't interfere in the economy at all I mean I take a very different tact so the people that kind of cool. I think I... that can't pick are probably haven't thought through their like very 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 basic level um uh, I, I disagree because I personally agree with what you've just said about you have to have these philosophical underpinnings and then it guides uh like what you more believe in um well no it, it guides how you respond to issues yeah it guides how it, it guides how not and it like, shouldn't guide it shouldn't just guide wholesale beliefs without kind of evidence or fact yeah okay so yeah, your your philosophy guides how you respond to issues you can respond to them in two ways yeah I think that that is very true actually I think the problem is that you we don't appreciate the other side might have a good point and I just think if you if you took your identity out of it then you could more appreciate that the other side might have a point here rather than being so like this is my view I agree with everything that this party believes because your identity is so tied up in it oh yeah I don't think I don't I think there are few people who truly have that kind of very very rigid tribalism to their party yeah I, I think we're all in danger of it though and I mean there have been studies on it where if uh, the side that people generally support say something they're more likely to support it themselves and if the same thing is brought to them uh, and someone on the other side has said it they're more likely to disagree with it than not so I mean okay. it's yeah I guess that's an aspect of the human condition I'm trying to overcome is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, But yeah, so I I think we've covered a lot of points when engaging with the news, like there's a lot going on. Diversify your resources. Remember that any story, any stat can be spun two ways and getting that balanced reading is like really important. Bubbles. Uh, We've spoken about bubbles. bubbles. (laughs) (laughs) We've spoken about echo chambers um, and just being being aware of that. And we spoke a lot about uh, anti-racism. I'll link the book that you you mentioned on and in the show notes. But yeah, I hope we'll all be a little bit more critical about what we're reading, and also just stay humble, question yourself. No one has all the answers. And um, Arne, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, sharing your views with everyone. Thanks. Thanks. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm apprehensive to see <laughs> what what the what response. Oh no, you'll be fine. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Bye everyone. Have a great week. You know, I think the first step is just being aware of of the bubble. If you want to stay in your bubble, fine, stay in your bubble. But just be aware that it could be a bubble. (laughs) And I love bubbles. I feel like you want to talk about bubbles for the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Sim, you can't just talk about bubbles for half an hour.